0: Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. Today I'm interviewing Blakeland Bowen. Blake is an artist. He's currently focused on digital illustration and animation. He actually created the cover art for the podcast. He's a very kind and thoughtful person and a really great friend of mine. In this podcast, Blake and I talk about some pretty hard topics, namely mental health, the continual journey of growing as a person, and most controversially, how psychedelic drugs can affect these things. I really appreciate Blake's willingness to talk about this in a public setting because of how legally and culturally touchy psychedelics can be as a topic. I'm going to take a couple minutes now to talk about some things we referenced in the podcast, psychedelics in general, and some of the research that have come out on this. Please feel free to skip straight to the interview if you'd prefer. All right, here we go. As I mentioned, the topic of psychedelic drug use is generally difficult to talk about publicly. This is probably due to the cultural and legal connotations that it has. In extreme cases, things like, air quotes, the hippie movement, Reagan-era drug prohibition laws, and Project MKUltra come to mind. No doubt the culture and attitude around these drugs seem to be in a state of change. We can see evidence of this in the recent upsurge of science investigating the uses of psychedelics and with legal actions such as Denver's decriminalization of psilocybin. I really think that in order to have a productive conversation around something such as psychedelics, which bring up such strong opinions and are steeped in cultural connotations, that we need to be extra careful not to enter a conversation with too much bias. If you find yourself bound to a black-and-white dichotomy with this subject... Whether you're all for psychedelics or completely opposed to them, taking a step back and looking with a fresh lens at the work and what we actually know about psychedelics may be helpful. This discussion of psychedelics does not serve as an encouragement to do them. As you'll see, we discuss this in the podcast, but I just want to mention that it should go without saying that trying a psychedelic drug should not be taken lightly. This is something to learn about. And there are experienced professionals to reach out to if you're thinking about this topic. So, in the podcast, we make a couple of niche references. I am guilty of using two acronyms and referring to scientific work without names. Let me correct that. First, I use the acronym PFC. PFC stands for prefrontal cortex, a complex part of your brain that deals with decision-making, planning, simply put, deals with organizing the input from a lot of other parts of your brain. Secondly, we mentioned SSRIs. SSRI stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. Basically what this is is an antidepressant. I also mentioned PTSD trials that are being done by MAPS. MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. They are currently in phase three clinical trials of treating PTSD with MDMA. You may be more familiar with MDMA by its street name, Molly. These phase three trials are something that are going on in accordance with the DEA. And phase three is something that would not be reached without uh, a record of success in the previous trials. Some of the work that they have shown is in the second phase of clinical trials In a 2018 article by Rick Doblin et al., they found that MDMA-assisted psychotherapy, basically talk therapy, helped to decrease PTSD symptoms in military veterans and first responders. And this was shown to be more effective with higher doses, 75 or 125 milligrams, versus the control group, which received a smaller dose of 30 milligrams. This reduction in PTSD symptoms was still present a year later when subjects were tested again. Other places to look for current research on psychedelics are at the Johns Hopkins Center for Psychedelic and Consciousness Research. This is led by Roland Griffiths. Roland Griffiths, R-O-L-A-N-D-G-R-I-F-F-I-T-H-S, also has a TED Talk. Uh, So does Rick Doblin, who I mentioned earlier. Those would be cool to check out. Um, you can also check out Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind. That book does a great job at synthesizing basically the cultural movements and the research that has been done around psychedelic drugs in the U.S. over the last mm, century. Basically, anyway, yes, this this topic is certainly a can of worms. I hope that you enjoy the podcast, as always. You can support the podcast by subscribing, by leaving a rating and review on whatever podcast platform you listen to it on. You can donate in my tip jar, which you can find the link for in the bottom of the show notes. You can also recommend this podcast to a friend or family member or really anybody that you think would be interested. This is probably the best way to get the word out there currently. I appreciate everyone's support. I appreciate you all listening to this, and I really hope you enjoy this talk with Blake.
1: It makes me feel a little bit better knowing that it was designed to be addictive. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. But with that said, it's not like, you know, inherently toxic right like it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to be toxic it just yeah like i said earlier social media exacerbates shit that i'm already dealing with Mm -hmm. and like needing like approval and yeah so it just feeds off of i think in general but especially in my case yeah just like some pretty some pretty toxic aspects of yeah just like
0: yeah no that's that's a really interesting point because it seems like social media And different types of commercialization of things tend to feed off of, like, people's problems. Yeah, there's stuff you're more vulnerable to falling into if you're Mm -hmm. weakened emotionally or in your confidence.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, well, it's popular because, I mean, people really, like, use it. And, like, Mm -hmm. there's something there that just, like, draws us to... Mm I don't know. Yeah. Is it competition? Just like seeing those likes and like wanting to compete with yourself and like get more and more or, you know, seeing someone else traveling and being like, oh, yeah, you know, I want that.
0: Yeah. I think in a wow. way it's like we're such a social creature that we want social connection. And this is like a, just another dimension in which we can get that social connection. And then. It's also a measure of ourselves versus other people, so there's that element of competition where you're like i got I got fifty likes, but my friend here got a hundred and fifty, and so and so got three hundred and what's going on? What's my social influence like and if you you can very easily generalize that number into meaning, genuine connection or something, but mm. I don't know if people are just scrolling through Instagram and randomly liking things, that's a lot different than. <laughs> Like, having a good heart-to-heart with somebody and, I don't know, that mm. that social connection is going to be a lot more strong and meaningful, potentially. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just, there was one thing that you said, comparing the 50 likes to 100 likes or 300 likes. I mean, I just want to touch on the point of, like, how easy it is to compare where you are at in life with someone who's, you know, 10 years older than you. Oh, yeah. Or, like you know, comparing yourself to a social media influencer who's, mm-hmm. you know, getting like thousands and like making money off of it. And it's just like, y- you don't think about, you're just comparing like this you know, the uh, artificial like like system without thinking about, I'm on my own path. They've, yeah, been in this game for a long time. Like, I right. don't need to it's tomato-tomato almost even mm-hmm. though it's 50 versus 300. Um,
0: yeah, I think that's absolutely
1: right. And then I haven't experienced this, but I know that, like, social media has been, like, a really, really good force of good for, a- like, for actually heart-to-heart mm-hmm. and, like, making pretty genuine connections. Yeah. Um, I think a good example of this that, like, is, like, a healthy version of, like, social media or, like, the digital age of mm-hmm. communication is um, maybe online gaming mm-hmm. um, in that... You need some pretty on point communication in order to yeah, succeed, whether you're playing an MMO or like Overwatch. Right. Yeah. You need you need excellent communication. You need like a really resilient personality to not like feel crushed with like each loss. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a genuinely healthy side to the digital age. Yeah. It just isn't. It's.
0: I know what you mean. I've seen it with people like coming out or like mm. being from like a small generally conservative town i've seen people connecting with people in other places online on things that they just don't have access to people that have interests or have the same experiences as they do because there's just such a small population like it gives you access to so many more people and so many different ideas yeah when you're expanding from your small town of A couple thousand people to every single person that's on the internet yeah you can really find support in areas that you otherwise wouldn't be able to and i definitely think that's a positive thing if that's what you're going at
1: if that's what you're going at yeah 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 um i think it's almost like falls in your lap with what you focus on Mm -hmm. i mean it doesn't just fall in your lap because you know you could nurture healthier characteristics I don't know because you were taught that way right Mm -hmm. or but it feels like what you know I would focus on yeah it almost seemed almost random of like what I cared about but yeah I think it probably wasn't random and it was probably like really related to like upbringing and I just like found what I already kind of like was like taught Mm -hmm. in social media rather than it being random Mm
0: -hmm. yeah Yeah. Not to mention like your high school hierarchy and just all the all the things that were kind of pressuring you to be somebody at that time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I was Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I was I was homeschooled. So like coming from that and then also like experiencing social media and like high school from this really, really sheltered. Yeah, really sheltered like childhood. Yeah, I definitely focused on seemingly insignificant things that I thought would really matter. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like uh, I remember I remember being really worried about like bullying when I was a uh, when I was homeschooled because you just see in movies, fucking like conflict mm-hmm. and like this idea of what a bully is. Yeah, it created like a like a false perception and made me like focus on the false perception without like genuinely going towards what it actually is and like how it actually turns out and uh, kind of going off well, you know little woo woo but like rather than focusing on like genuine friendship it maybe would look like oh this matters that I have twice as many likes as this other person so I'm more popular and that's something that I think society cares about, so I guess, I, uh, yeah, I'll care about that. Sure, totally. If that, yeah, if that, if that tracks, that was like a weird train, but... Yeah.
0: There is a couple last turns in there, but I think I got what you're saying. And <laughs> so far as, I mean, it seems to me that you're almost saying because you had the sheltered environment, you didn't have all too much direction of where to go in the world or like what to spend your time on and what you should think is important. I mean, other than what your family would tell you and then what other social influence you would yep. get. And if you're if you're homeschooling all the time, that's I mean, going to be movies. That's going to be TV. Yep. And...
1: Yeah, the media that... Or just, you know, what I consumed, which is, you know, parents. You know, just that, like, weird, unhealthy hierarchy that might would form with, like, my siblings and I. And, like, uh... And, and yeah, media, right? Like, movies and, like, right. just this... Oof, yeah, I mean, I would say even today watching cinema that I like put too much weight mm-hmm. on like me- yeah, like too much credence or like too much weight on how how the media is portraying an idea, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that now I'm pretty conscious about And, like, critical of or what I'm getting from media. I don't want to say that it's absolutely, like, you know, trying to portray a certain message. But I'm much more critical of what I'm getting from media. And, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, yeah, even if it's Disney movies or you can get some pretty, you can get some pretty odd messages from, or unintended messages. I think unintended
0: is the operative word. Or intended. Yeah. I mean watching movies that came out in like the 90s and the 2000s now you just see a lot of stuff in there that you're like what is this implying Mm -hmm. I mean just like some of the comedy movies and just oh god, this was one thing for me going into college and just growing up and like going to a place where there's more people I expected to party all the time like (laughs) I thought that I thought that I would go to a college town and then there would just be sex all the time and Mm -hmm. like awesome parties and you should have joined the no. frat dude <laughs> I should have joined a frat yeah the, no the couple times that I went to parties that were similar to these comedy movies were at, at frats and it was the most uncomfortable environment ever
1: yeah.
0: Uh, yeah but going back to movies media whatever you're steeped in when you're growing up there's there's a gauge like you're talking about that you have to learn that tells you how important should i think that this thing is how, how important
1: m- should i think that this thing is yes <laughs> yeah yeah
0: and one contrast i see between you and i is well i don't even know i'm just gonna say this because sure. it came up for me Is i was i grew up in this house where i didn't have tv and mm. um i was homeschooled also until fifth grade but
1: sixth grade for me so actually very similar
0: That's okay cool. yeah that is cool yeah no no tv A lot of books, though. Books will influence you, definitely. Yeah. Um, No TV. We still watch movies. And so I wonder if having that TV and, like, the rules around the media that you're consuming as a kid, I wonder how much of an effect that actually has on you as an adult. Or maybe everyone, maybe not everyone, but maybe a lot of people end up going through this process where they're, like, doing the introspection that's necessary to be like, oh, fuck, I need to really... Stop paying attention to this shit that's really steering my boat right now. Take control of my own life and do whatever is necessary. But maybe that delays the process because if you're stuck in some corridor where you're thinking, I mean, you're kind of addicted to this idea of like going to these big ass parties and like meeting beautiful people and just feeling this way but you have no idea what kind of things you should be paying attention to actually make yourself feel good and to live a fulfilled life or to have meaningful relationships with people i'm sure people get stuck in that rut for a long time
1: yeah i mean i just really want to emphasize the point that it's it's how it's actually making you feel right right I think that's a question that I've only recently started asking myself and like mm-hmm. just really putting emphasis on oh wow the idea of it you know it was so good I loved it and that just completely overshadowed how how I actually felt which right. I, I mean yeah I I guess I just really wanted and uh, I think it's really important to emphasize and ask that question is how does this thing actually make me feel Mm -hmm. how does being at this party actually make me feel and if it makes you feel great then awesome Mm -hmm. keep going to parties yes do it yeah um
0: i I don't know i don't know if it's that simple though because i think there's a lot of (laughs) you can tell (laughs) yourself that you like it for a really long time i mean you obviously weren't Downloading an app to get likes on social media because you thought it was bad for you. I mean, I guess it's bringing this process of introspection or mindfulness into everything and then really noticing, like, what is my feeling right now? Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's a lot harder said than done, and it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of attention, a lot of control of your attention, too, to be able to say do I want to stay up and have another drink with my friends tonight? Mm. Even though I I know I love my friends and I know I would enjoy this. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of gray area in there.
1: There's a lot of gray area. It's so much harder in practice. So much harder in practice. Yeah, I did say it pretty lightly. It yeah, I mean mindfulness off the top of my head I would say that mindfulness is probably it's a pretty important part. It's like, you know, a good first step to like, okay, I'm like realizing what I'm actually experiencing. Um, And I think to kind of go back to what we talked about with like, uh, critically consuming, like the media and like Mm -hmm. the decisions that you might not think about that are being made without you. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my parents making the decision to show me media and movies because and only because they think or were told by someone that it is religious and that's like the only metric mm-hmm. that someone is using is just, oh yeah, okay, it's religious. Not thinking about the themes, not thinking about what the actual, like actual message is. Mindfulness and then like critically thinking about why you're being shown something mm-hmm. and and, I mean, that's, like, a big question of why you're being shown something. Right.
0: I mean, we can Usually go it's to make money. But. Yeah.
1: But. Yeah.
0: Or to influence you. I did have.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. what do you
0: think is more important, influence or money, I in mean, the grand scheme of what things? what do you
1: think something is influencing you towards? It's, it's like, usually buy, buy a product. Yeah. I mean, or it vote. can influence you in different ways, but mm-hmm. I would say that you know a lot of ways it is it is to make money yeah um,
0: I guess you can't you can't totally parse influence and money but Oh,
1: no no I mean they totally lead you? into it they totally no it's like yeah. uh, it's like uh, interwoven it's pretty entangled yeah it's entangled
0: in a way then running yeah. on that thought mm-hmm. you could say that social media is maybe filling a gap that we have in our economic system that is more in tune with the social influence and the feeling and just influence in general than money. If you consider those two things intertwined, money and influence, then money's obviously missing it. It's not totally there. I don't really care about a dollar when it comes down to it. If we're out in a survival situation, the money's not going to mean shit to me. I'm going to be caring about who knows what they're doing Who can I trust in this moment? What kind of knowledge do you have about this situation? And then if I'm not having control in that situation, if I don't have training to be like, what the fuck should I do in this situation where it's life or death, then I am completely reliant on the people around me. And that's influence. And I feel like that might might be kind of what we're speaking to is it seems like there's this mass of people that even if they don't know it, are kind of being influenced by these ideas in ways that that lead them to be doing things they wouldn't necessarily want to be doing or aren't totally beneficial to them because they haven't decided what they want for themselves. And so they're out there blowing in the wind and being guided by all of these entities that are, whether it's social media or financial institutions or marketing or your shitty friends, all of these things that are making a bid for your attention and your time, if you don't have a system of looking inward at yourself and saying, I need to be on top of what I'm doing, I need to i need to be conscious about what my decisions mean in my life, then you're just at the influence of this.
1: <laughs> I guess I want to say two things in response to that. I think education and building, building that, like, being a critical consumer stat, mm-hmm. right? Like building that and yeah. is, I mean, yeah, it's super important with what we're talking about. Yeah. But I, I guess, I guess I really wanted to note how that's not always necessary to live a fulfilled life. Mm-hmm. I guess in like you know some people's case, and I think that the people that yeah, that that they're just like, you know what? I just don't yeah, I don't fucking care. Like right. I just want to do X, Y, and Z and I don't I I don't really need to think about, you know, it, it as like critically and and I think that those people that do that yeah, that don't need to be so like I mean, maybe they would say like overthinking things. Mm-hmm. Um I think that's like a pretty valid way to live. Mm-hmm. I think that I think you yeah, I know that there are those that there are those people out there and that that they I'm sure they feel very very fulfilled in the way that they're living. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't want to say like yeah, like education and like critical consumption is like is a n- is a necessary key, mm-hmm. I guess. Um it's super important, yeah, to me and I think you as well to like to know and understand what you're consuming and kind of like, in order to figure out kind of like the person you want to be and mm-hmm. l- because, I mean, yeah, otherwise you, I would say, and I think that the analogy of like being a leaf floating in the wind, I would yeah. say that's pretty apt. Um, but you know, some leaves just want to float in the wind and I'm yeah, cool.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. There's like an ingredient there that that makes it different for me. And I'm not sure what it is. And I think that's mm-hmm. a really big question that needs to be asked. Mm-hmm. But your that point made me think of the book Siddhartha. Have you ever read it or heard of it? It's uh. by Hermann Hesse, who's a German author, but Siddhartha is the Buddha, I'm pretty sure. In the story, he's on this journey to find enlightenment. And he goes through all of these different religious and spiritual traditions, just trying to find a way for himself. And one day he is journeying from point A to point B and he crosses this ferry. And basically the ferryman tells him, I've found enlightenment and it's in the river. Mm -hmm. And he's just by, just by being on this boat for years and years and years, like watching the water, this has given me enlightenment. And I, I think that it's absolutely right that you don't have to be crucifying yourself on some introspective journey to figure out what's going to make you happy or to have a fulfilled life. But I I do think that there is an element between being something else's agent and being... I mean, there's definitely a difference between being carried by these other forces that have questionable motives and then just being and not being affected by these i mean cuz you could say that this drive to perfect yourself or to mm-hmm. find this perfect way of being for yourself to find this pr- yeah what we've been talking about this introspective like educational journey you could say that that influence in itself is something else that's driving you i mean education's neither of our idea and these values that are behind education and behind doing this educational mindfulness journey are obviously from somewhere else. (laughs) What I'm trying to say is I think there's a difference between being at the whim of another thing that has these questionable motives and just being. And I think just being is admirable, but I think that whether consciously or not, if you're being driven by these like, toxic influences that are making you do these things. It's not necessarily your fault that you're caught in that, but it would probably be better if you weren't.
1: I mean, yeah, even in that last sentence, better. That word better has a bunch of baggage. Yeah, it bunch does. bunch of
0: baggage. Would it be better?
2: I mean,
1: I think from, from your perspective, it absolutely would be better. And I think, yeah, no, I think it's certainly better to to at least question, you know, what the wind is right right like at least question it Mm -hmm. and then make the decision like just just ask that question i think more information is generally just never a bad thing but oh oh, there's another point i was going to make and mm, mm, i think i think maybe what i was going to touch on is just kind of that like the values and like what we have found What we believe are important, like you and I, like Mm -hmm. what we believe are important, what we believe should be emphasized, our value system. I mean, it's definitely on the backs of, like, yeah, all of history. Right. It didn't just come out of a hat. Mm -hmm. Um. And the big point is, there's certainly a balance between having a good idea of what the wind is Mm -hmm. and just fucking floating sometimes. Yeah. There is a balance. And I would say that every person needs to find that balance.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean, occasionally it, you know, goes in one direction or the other. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a balance. Yeah. I, have you read or at least heard of uh, Tao Te Ching? Mm,
0: it like sounds familiar, but I don't like, think just so. Just like Taoism. It's just okay. like the Taoist. The path. Bible. The yin and the yang. Yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: Sure. Yeah. It I mean I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's I mean it really just like touches on and I feel like a big theme throughout the book is just like yeah, just like a balance between mm-hmm. like everything. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, yeah, we could get into Yeah, like that balance and like thinking of how that balance goes into other aspects of life and like Yeah, I that makes me think of like just eliminating Black and white thinking mm-hmm. as well, and like thinking errors, thinking errors. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if those are necessarily related, but uh, I mean, my brain that made that connection, so I'm gonna say that they're connected.
0: I think that they're connected. Yin and yang, black and white. You just want to yeah. you want to ride the line between being oblivious and being and critically thinking. Yeah, and you don't want to get caught by either trap in the zen book that i'm reading it's a lot of focus on dualistic thinking and dualistic thinking is when you have what the author says is a gaining idea and so when you're in this moment but you're not thinking about this moment you're thinking about how can i be this Mm. in the future Mm. or you're thinking about when you're meditating like how can i have the best meditation that's you're Mm. just missing the point you're not in the you're not in the meditation if you're thinking about what's coming next and obviously that's not something that we can do away with but yeah i definitely (laughs) think it's a line that we're all riding and you can't do it all but you have to make an effort
1: i mean what's that like a cliche it's uh it's not the destination it's the journey yeah are you pouring me yep okay
0: (laughs) here's a little more vodka <laughs> well, you're Blakeland Bowen.
1: Yes, yes, I'm Blake. You're Stephen. Stephen Cook. Yeah. What's your middle name? Do I... Floyd. Oh, f- Floyd.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Are you is your middle name Daniel?
1: Oh, interesting. No, it's not. Damn.
0: <laughs> Blakeland Timothy Bowen. Timothy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so we talked about being in this place where you're being blown by the wind, and then opening your eyes to realizing that you're not in the wind, and. This is exactly what we had talked about talking about today. And maybe you could share with us. I mean, I've known you quite a while and you've grown a lot as a person. And that's something that I want to emphasize in the podcast is people growing and how they manage that. We both know that you have a very valuable story as far as growth is concerned. And yeah, if you'd like to talk about that right now.
1: Totally. Yeah. To to really bring it way back. The person that I was, I would say, okay. I mean, everything we've kind of talked about, like, touches on uh, my own personal journey, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, like, using mindfulness to, like, accept the person you are, like, just completely as you are in that moment. Mm and I would say, I, yeah, I think that that theme is is something that I had to discover. And there was a point where I did not uh, appreciate that nearly as much as, as I do now. It took a lot for me to, to come to that conclusion and to accept myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess like a really, really big influence of like what forced me, big word forced me to confront that and like confront myself as I was, Mm -hmm. um, was uh, psychedelics. Mm -hmm. And psychedelics are, what a mixed bag psychedelics are. Um, Whether it's like, yeah, perception and like media. But yeah, psychedelics kind of forced me into a place where, I mean, I guess I just won't sugarcoat it. Yeah, where I had, like, a total, like, yeah, mental breakdown. There's a lot of ways to describe it, and I think psychotic break is, I think, a pretty good, like, summation of that point. It was, unfortunately, a, it was, it was a legal drug called, I think, salvia diverin. Mm, just salvia i'm not sure what the yeah yeah yeah. it put me in a headspace where it was the best way i would describe it is you're like you were forced in like a the seat of like a car and like you're you were shoved in the driver's seat Mm -hmm. and even though you've been driving this car for years and years and years you just suddenly it's like you just suddenly woke up And you realize that, like, I mean, yeah, you're, like, fucking driving in the other lane, right? Like, you're just, oh, fuck, I'm driving right now. And mm, I think that's actually a pretty good analogy of what, like, I guess my Salvia trip was. It's just this chaotic, terrifying experience that just forced me to confront myself and... And in making it sound that, you know, it's kind of like this overnight enlightened, like, black and white, you know, oh, as soon as I, like, did this drug, it was, like, magical, and, like, afterwards it was totally fine. It, I mean, if you want me to delve into kind of, like, the actual specifics of my trip, I can, but.
0: Well, I think that, yeah, I think that might be useful, but I also think it's important to acknowledge, you're talking about waking up from something This is a car you've been driving for 20 years. Yeah. I think that we all go through this thing based on our sample size of two right now. That we all go through this thing (laughs) where you essentially pull your head out of your ass and realize, well, shit, my decisions affect other people. Mm. My decisions affect me. What I consume affects me. And you're just faced with this realization that you need to act according to that. And obviously... It's not a sudden thing. I think that's kind of what growing up is, when you're just developing your brain and you're going into adulthood and you're realizing, oh shit, all the fucking things that my parents told me were kind of right. And (laughs) you just start realizing that there's a lot more intricacies to life than maybe you'd previously imagined. Yeah. And so, yeah, you took this drug. It forced you to come to some sort of realization, but why did you take salvia? Like, what, what led to that? what were you going through that got you to the point where you were like experimenting with these things what was it just for fun
1: i mean yeah <laughs> i mean th- i mean i think that just for fun is actually like a pretty good yeah explanation it was because i wanted to get fucked up right like and i didn't i guess i didn't fully appreciate or like respect like what that entailed mm-hmm. um i mean yeah that's like you know when i was like I would drink as much Mm -hmm. as, like, I would. It's a combination of things, and I don't know if I can just, like, summarize it in just, like, one reason why I did it. But, yeah, to get fucked up, just to, like, experience this crazy thing that I, like, heard about or, you know, heard friends take, and, you know, they just were, like, blown away by it, and I, yeah, I really wanted to experience it. Yeah, wow, I do, yeah, I definitely don't recommend. (laughs) definitely (laughs) do not recommend taking... Taking salvia, if you're gonna gonna take a psychedelic, but it, it like the um the almost like the reasoning for me to take the drug, which is just kind of like not being critical and just kind of like throwing your hands in the air, just being ah fuck it, and yeah, I just want to like have an experience that is like dictated by like what has been given to me and like the idea of the experience rather than the experience itself, mm-hmm. um. I think that that's like what brought me to take the drug and not actually be in the moment and think about my experience. It was like a big problem that like, I don't want to say the drug showed me, but like it was a big problem that I've been working on since taking that drug. Yeah. And I didn't even really realize that it was a problem until I had such a traumatic experience i guess is what mm-hmm. i would say because yeah it was the actual experience itself was like oh it was absolutely 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 traumatizing um and i would say it took me quite a bit to accept it and yeah. like put like the pieces back together P- getting back in the other lane and like being comfortable in the fucking driver's seat mm-hmm. post almost dying and like, you know, like swerving into the other lane. It would, yeah, I mean, it took me at least a year. And it was like this, it was such a, it was such a profound year long experience. Like, I cannot just sum up that like realization into just the trip, you know? Right. right. Cause, Cause it wasn't. It was. It was weeks and weeks after and, like, doing the drug again after that, Mm -hmm. like, for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Part of the reason I asked that question was in hopes to emphasize that the drug experience, that was just the tip of the iceberg. It wasn't the problem necessarily. It wasn't the catalyst for you making this change. In a way, maybe it was, but this seems like something from the way you're describing it that was building up over time and it seems like there is this huge momentum.
1: Well, I mean I mean you use the word catalyst, right? Like mm-hmm. a catalyst mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't create something. Yeah. It it will like increase the process of something. Yeah. Or, like increase the speed of the right, process right. happening. And I think I think
0: catalyst might be the right word. <laughs> that's a
1: great word to describe, yeah, exactly how it was. Yeah. Um I yeah, I did not I was never present. I was never present. And it's like it wasn't until there was an external stressor that, that that just like shook things up enough. And I think that that external stressor can, you know, doesn't have to be a drug. I think it could be a near-death experience because mm-hmm. I mean, I I I thought I was going to die. You I did? Mean, oh, yeah, yeah. Totally.
0: Um Why did you think you were going to die?
1: The drugs kind of like yeah, it just made me it induce like a sense of paranoia that like made me assume the worst of situations. Mm-hmm. I guess is the best way that I would describe it. Yeah, like I thought at one point that that uh, you were trying to kill me at one point. That was that was an interesting. Right. Yeah, it's. Even though there was no real threat, the belief in that experience was enough for that experience to be like one hundred percent real. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know the point that I'm trying to make, but like, I hear you. It, I, yeah. I guess I, I guess I just want to like maybe bring it out of just like a drug conversation and the like. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, I compared it to a, a like a midlife crisis mm-hmm. for for a bit because I think that that's like pretty accurate i I thought that I was like coming close to death, and it was i mean, yeah, it felt that way at the time.
0: it was a very serious existential problem that you were yeah. approaching and yeah. To give background on this, I was there with you because I was your roommate, Yeah, and you were going through some serious psychological battles, as far as I could tell, and I mean, that's what's coming out now, it sounds like, is you were confronting something that was, I mean, it's not a drug trip in the trivial sense that people think, and this wasn't, like, this took place during the time when you took that drug. But this didn't just take place in the time that you took that drug. This was mm. something that lasted for a lot longer. And like you're saying, you dealt with this for a year. And what it kind of says to me is you were confronting something that was huge. The seriousness of how it occurred to you was life or death, right? Yeah. And yeah, that's not trivial. I mean, psychological pain is probably the scariest thing on this earth. mm and it's not.
1: I mean, people die from dreaming. Yeah. Yeah. That psychological pain
0: can literally kill you. Mm-hmm.
1: It can literally kill you. Yeah.
0: I just want to validate your experience, first of all, and also give you the credit that, like, this wasn't. I mean, while the drug may have been a, a catalyst for you facing this thing, from my standpoint, it sounds like you were looking at something obviously very strong and obviously very frightening and you had to pick this up and deal with it and you did i think that that experience and how you dealt with that experience is incredibly valuable for anyone that might face something similar
1: i i think a big takeaway and i i I think i mentioned this theme earlier is that the process was critically consuming oneself, basically. Mm-hmm. And I think that the reason that, you know, it, like took over a year because, it, I mean, yeah, I don't think, I don't think everyone's ready to critically consume themselves. What like, do
0: you mean by that? Critically consume to yourself? To
1: critically consume yourself is to like fully accept and like acknowledge you as you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Right fully like engross yourself in that acceptance so i mean yeah i guess yeah i don't know if critically consume yourself is like a great way to describe no it makes
0: sense for that
1: okay yeah but i mean it takes time and like it can really it can really hurt and like therapy helps (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: i mean Mm -hmm. what kind of parts of yourself did you have to consume now that you've had the blinds opened and you can see what's around you. Like, what are you dealing with when you have this realization that things aren't how they're supposed to be, that you're in the other lane and you need to get to the other side? Like, what do you have to do to get to the other side? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love this analogy so much. Okay. It's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I, God, this is such a cop-out. But the answer is, is literally just to to embrace and, like, experience it as it is, and to like bring yourself in the moment mm-hmm. completely. Mm-hmm. And like, I hate how woo woo and like, it's like, oh yeah, just like meditate and all your mental illness will go away. That's not it's the point that I'm yeah. trying to make. Mm-hmm. But yeah, practice mindfulness and that helps you to realize that you're in the other lane. Mm-hmm. You cannot get in the other lane if you don't even realize that you're driving in right. the other lane. That is 100%. The first step right. is that realization.
0: Um, Knowing you have a problem is half the n-
1: yeah. work. Yeah. I mean, uh, I know for a fact that if you, if if there's an outside source that's like, hey, I think you should go to therapy, mm-hmm. and you're forced to go to therapy, and that person who's going to therapy doesn't want to go to therapy, therapy will not help at all. If anything, it'll just make waste your time and make the problem worse. But if the driver, if the person accepts their situation and is like oh yeah fuck okay i want help yeah oh wow i'm like at this point i like really need to do something about it i mean therapy you know meditation i would not recommend doing yeah like a psychedelic Mm -hmm. in order to get you to the other lane i guess yeah yeah i think therapy talking about it and like accepting it as it is. All of these, all of these points are, it's so much more difficult to actually do them mm-hmm. than it, you know, because like say, just like accept yourself as you are. Right. Wow. Okay. Fucking thanks. B- but, but yeah, no, accept yourself
0: as you are. Like, right. You well, know. I mean, Yes. But you also had to do a lot of work, right? Did you feel like you were actively changing who you are, or do you just think you were recognizing and moving forward?
1: Well, I mean, I didn't go to therapy for quite a bit after all this happened. I didn't go to therapy for, yeah, over a year, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, I do want to stress that, like, I did ha- have, like, a pretty good support system. Like, I had you, I had, you know, other friends, I had a girlfriend at the time, and I had a support system that was incredibly helpful. Yeah, helped me a lot. I really want to stress that I was privileged enough to, like, have that external support. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I, whew, I mean, whether it was because I felt shitty when I did them, or, uh, I mean, yeah, that was a driving force, but yeah, I stopped doing drugs. <laughs> like, I made, I actually made changes, and like doing that wasn't even like like that kind of helped like a lot. But if I'm saying that it's beneficial to accept yourself, and I'm saying that it's a process, that process is it. It looks like every single day. You know, every single every single day yeah coming back to yourself and being like oh yeah okay this is what happened this is who I was it is it's such a continual process and like eventually yeah I got into therapy and there's so many tools that I was given to like further me on that process and it's been amazing and oh my gosh yeah go to therapy that's like there's any takeaway if you are ever struggling with mental illness go to therapy (laughs) um yeah it was like that like acceptance and like okay realizing that yeah i'm not happy basically
0: Mm -hmm. um even even calling it mental illness might be a barrier because yeah i i don't consider you mentally ill i mean maybe we all have mental illnesses to an extent this is definitely a quagmire it's sucking me in right now but
1: i mean it's a it's a good train yeah i like this
0: train yeah what i guess what i'm trying to say is that having conflict within yourself that you Mm. need help resolving that's a reason to go to therapy and you can give it whatever name that you want to Mm. but that there's an obstacle to overcome there's a reason to overcome that obstacle and going to therapy or talking with friends or just verbalizing it to yourself. There's a thing you can do about that. I don't think that a lot of people that confront these kinds of things tell themselves that they're mentally ill. I think a lot of the time when you're approaching a problem like this, I think people have a tendency to downplay what their experience is.
1: I mean, is existential dread a mental illness? It's (laughs) like, yeah, don't let the barrier social stigma
0: don't let it stop you
1: yeah don't let it stop you i mean yeah life can be a lot it's much more complicated and like it's a lot more work to Mm -hmm. like figure shit out than i would have assumed when i was littler (laughs) like it's yeah 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 it's a lot
0: a lot of damn work and there's long periods of feeling away that end in a realization that the way that you were feeling was a thing that you need to deal with or a product of something in your environment that just isn't quite right. Yeah no life is just an onslaught of a lot of difficult obstacles to overcome and bringing it back you're either facing those obstacles or you're not and I think that the way that you frame this answers our question a little bit in that it sounds to me A lot of what you're saying is you just need to recognize what's going on. You just need to be more mindful of yourself and accepting of yourself and the current situation. And that you can't climb the obstacle if you
1: don't know what the fucking obstacle is. Right. right? Like if it's just this warping mass, like, no, know what it is Mm -hmm. in its totality, like
0: completely. Mm hmm. Makes it easier. So if you're a leaf in the wind and you're being held against this obstacle, it might feel like a support, but you really need to, as that leaf, open your eyes and say, oh, shit, I'm on somebody's windshield right now and I'd prefer not to be here. Mm. I mean, some people might be on that windshield indefinitely. Some people just have problems that they can never solve. But I guess sitting with that problem and accepting things as they are is kind of the best that we can hope for in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. The best that we could hope for. I mean, it's certainly a good first step. It's not going to solve the problem, but Mm -hmm. that recognition is, for me, it's been a blessing. I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's, if that's like a blanket, you know, like catch all, solve all problems, or, or if it's always beneficial. But I mean, yeah, for me, for me, it's been a blessing recognizing what that obstacle is, even if
0: it's yourself. Would you would you do anything different or give past Blake advice? I mean, two things. I think it's
1: uh, recognize that you have the option, the option to love yourself is there. It's always been there, and to, whew, yeah, I mean, make a point to yeah get help, and like express that like need for help, and that there's nothing wrong with seeking help, whether that's in therapy or other people and to like it's not a bad thing to to be honest i think something you said earlier this is the context that my brain went to is that like you said don't hoard knowledge mm-hmm. and that's also like i would say don't hoard or don't hold back your experience authentically in whatever format therapy or with friends or family or yeah in like a in in, in an environment that's a trusted environment. I guess.
0: What tools have you learned to not be able to hold back on your experience? I mean, that's such a hard thing to do. Yeah,
1: that's a tricky one. I mean, I think that's something that
0: it's this uh, it's
1: this mind boggling, just like balancing act of like sharing. And I don't think there's a specific tool for me to know what. Or there's not, like, a good, like, rubric, I guess, mm-hmm. to say, oh, yeah, this is, you know, what to share, what not to share. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm, appreciating, like, how, how something is actually making you feel. If this experience is actually making me to, like, ooh, ruminate or um, or is causing me to stress, if, if there's actually, like, a weight behind, like, a certain feeling, then, yeah, express that. So maybe yeah, how much gravity or how much weight there is behind certain thoughts, feelings, whatever it is that, like, comes up in the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're having this weight, what's the best thing to mm-hmm. do? Somebody? Do you, like, run out of the room?
1: Oof, yeah. It really... Okay, it's easy for me to say this because, I mean, because I have, you know, I have you and, like, I have, I have good friends. And so if you don't have uh support system like i have had which i'm very very thankful for thank Mm -hmm. you steven you're great love you thanks um it i mean yeah find a source where you can trust isn't the right word that i'm looking for but uh just like in an environment where you feel comfortable sharing it's an only you can know thing right Only you can know what to express. Only you can know the environment. Like, it is. Yeah, it's like, I mean, mindfulness. Maybe you should just, like, just, like, just meditate
0: and all your problems. (laughs) 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 I'm wrong, (laughs) guys. Sorry. (laughs) No, uh, yeah. I mean, meditation is just being okay with sitting there and doing nothing.
1: My brain just thought of, like, if you're, like, trying to find a switch, like, meditation can kind of, like,
0: help you
1: build the sensation. So like it, if you're in the dark, mm-hmm. it can it just makes it a that much easier to feel like use that proprioception and like your hand on the wall and you're just like feeling and like looking around for it. It just makes it easier for you to find the switch. I mm-hmm. guess it just yeah it just it just makes it makes it a little bit easier. yeah and it's such a targeted practice for like being like being in the moment.
0: I think, yeah, that's really valuable. It's very hard to do that, decide to feel around for the light mm. when that's not your primary goal. But setting, yeah. those, setting yourself up with reminders that when things happen or when you're carried away by an emotion or a train of thoughts, setting that reminder to be like, hey, this is the time where I need to realize that what's going on is going on. And recognizing that can undermine the thing that's influencing you to do that thing. Even if you act on those emotions or what's driving you to do that thing, the point is recognizing that. And so understanding, yeah, I fucked up. Like, I did this thing that I wasn't supposed to do, or I acted on my anger, or any number of things. Realizing that that's it allows you to learn from that experience you might confront that thing hundreds of times and know that it's wrong or know that you don't want to be there or doing this thing and still not change it but realizing that you're a leaf caught in the wind helps you to know that you're a leaf caught in the wind and if you have any opportunity as a leaf in the wind to shift your course then knowing that you have that and knowing where you are allows you to take that opportunity. And so it might not be easy. Mm. And you might be very much carried by the stream that carries you. But yeah, I think I think that's a very important point. Just knowing. Just knowing is...
1: Being kind to yourself throughout that process as well. Because, mm. yeah, that confrontation... I mean, yeah, it could be, yeah, super difficult and then like, ooh, super unnerving, but yeah, being kind to yourself throughout that, uh, that decision making process, you know, very abstract what we're talking about, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, I hope that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it does. How did you experience that being kind to yourself? Kindness? Did you know that it's right, like right away or did you have to learn that?
1: <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. I mean, I think if you're, if you're going to take someone who's kind of like a total prick to, you know, just like most people that they meet, they're probably also a prick to themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, uh, yeah, just like realizing how, how mean, how hurtful, like how, yeah, just like how hurtful I could be to myself, um... I mean, yeah, it goes. Ba- it literally, yeah, big theme it goes back to that realization, realizing that I was being a dick to myself. Um, and after that, being really fucking patient throughout the entire process of like, okay, all right, yeah, that was, I was really, really mean to myself today. Whatever it is, be yeah, I've had, I have had to find a lot of patience with myself in order to like how should I phrase this since it's a process and then like finding the kindness and like compassion with yourself if that's the goal having patience with yourself throughout that entire process and like whatever it is if you're like beating yourself over something or beating yourself over beating yourself up right like Mm -hmm. whatever it is um having patience and just like, oh, God, I wish I, I really, really wish that I had like an easy solution to like find, uh, yeah, just like find that like self-compassion. It, but it's, it is, it is, um, yeah, it's just such a continual process. Of like being patient. Okay. Yeah. I guess it would just be being patient when you are being a dick to yourself. Mm-hmm. Right like being just like okay i was addicted to myself that happened all right i'll move on yeah and just like not getting hung up on yeah when you aren't or when you don't live up to how you want to be yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know does that follow yeah
0: no you can't you can't be the person that you want to be tomorrow Mm. exactly
1: yeah yeah it's yeah yeah absolute process um I mean, what is that like they say twenty five years is the like cut off for brain development or yeah, something along those your, lines
0: your p f c is completely developed at twenty five
1: and I mean yes. unfortunately, I don't know and like enough about like what that fully entails, but I think that even after twenty five you're still growing, you're still like. Like, yeah. there's never not a time when you, you know, you you just need to be in that mindset of, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm still learning. I'm fucking 35. I'm still learning. I'm still being patient. Right. And, like, it's – and I'm still working towards being more patient and, like, more kind yeah. rather than – Alright, I'm twenty six and I'm like, yeah, I'm like pretty kind and like I'm like, oh I'm super compassionate. It's done. I've like banked it. There's no problem anymore. It's yeah. nah. Nah. Still a process.
0: No, the the old dogs don't learn new tricks mm. is I think very misleading and misleading. Good word. Very discouraging to a lot of people. Yeah. I feel like just personally I've had a lot of pressure to be like oh fuck I gotta figure out my life before <laughs> this age otherwise I'm an old person not knowing what the fuck they're gonna do and I mean yeah I think that's <laughs> important an important thing to say like if you're 79 years old and just realizing that you have been an alcoholic asshole your entire life there's still time to accept that and work on that and change that and taking it in another direction that's not necessarily self-help but just learning i I don't think people should ever be discouraged from picking up a new hobby or an instrument or anything ever i think we're continually learning that our brains are more plastic than a lot of us have been taught i know that a lot of the programs that i went through as far as like drug education when i was Mm -hmm. a kid were basically saying like if you take this you're gonna be fucked up forever and (laughs) that was the theme and there was just all this fear around for me like smoking marijuana and i didn't do that until i was older and i'm actually pretty glad about that because we do know that it can affect development but just the fact that we're being told that there's just these cutoffs to when we're going to be okay there's these barriers and if you don't meet these certain expectations and if you don't do these correct things before you hit this certain age then you know you're a lost human or th- you're not worth it. I just yeah, I think a lot of that is just realizing that we're all going to pass some cutoffs. We're not going to be perfect in every measure and you're going to have to accept that otherwise you're going to live with the pain that you put yourself through because you haven't hit that. So I think that's a really important message.
1: That yeah, that was great. That
0: was great. Yeah. Well, now that we're both perfect and have <coughs> learned everything that we need to learn, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, sure. So, yeah, I am doing a big uh, yeah, a pretty big career change and like mm, totally shaking up um what I'm pursuing. I was doing uh healthcare in that industry for a while and Nope. It's yeah. I have a lot of respect for the people that are in that line, but it's a lot of work and it's pretty pretty draining. Um, yeah. And so now I am doing art and kind of nurturing myself through this process of uh, learning a skill that I know very little about, and it's it's a, it's an incredibly humbling process. Cause it's 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 almost like learning a foreign language, but yeah, I'm doing art. I'm practicing, I guess, like digital illustration, animation, and just like building up like fundamental artist eye fundamentals. Um, What's artist eye? Just like being able to draw what you see mm. as you see it, rather than y- so. Um, imagine. Imagine like, oh, you know, if I told you to like draw a house, you might would draw like a square and like a triangle and then like the door and like the right. the circle um for the door handle rather than drawing this like these symbols, just drawing things mm-hmm. as you see them and like. As they actually are in front of you oh wow
0: that's an interesting theme Okay. yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) draw it it as they are god god yeah that's no that's one of the coolest things about artists is they train themselves to be able to take this thing that's in their imagination it's like partially Mm -hmm. feeling partially an image that you're you've got in your mind and putting that into physical form i think that's so cool and it's obviously super hard i mean that's just another one of these barriers we're talking about is trying to draw something that you've had this cool idea about it and then just getting so frustrated when you're about i don't know when you start it because Mm -hmm. it's not what you'd imagine so i'm sure that going through this process especially while you're using this mindfulness and like watching yourself learn over time but taking note of how far you get each time and being able to put something on paper that represents what you're thinking and then gauging how much that reflects what you're actually thinking. That does seem like a very challenging process.
1: I mean, yeah, it makes me respect the artistic process and like people who got to a certain level, I'm just like, they've dealt with failure so many times. Mm -hmm. Every single time that you are imagining something, you put it on paper and it does not represent what you are imagining I mean, that's, like, I feel like that's is similar to this, like, cognitive dissonance. Like, you're literally, like, w- how you imagined your idea of something is not how the reality of the situation actually is. Mm. That, that sucks. Like, that feeling, it hurts a Yeah. No, it is debilitating, right? Like, it, I think you said with the psychological, just, like, that psychological hurt. mm is incredibly impactful yeah. and i have a lot of respect for artists that like go through that and like go yeah. through that process and are just like yeah all right i'll just fucking draw it again all right
0: boom done it's really cool that you brought up cognitive dissonance because i mean cognitive dissonance for people that don't know is when your behavior or what is coming out physically doesn't align with what you're thinking and The most common reaction to cognitive dissonance is not changing how you're thinking, but changing your behavior. And so you are literally going through this process of being able to deal with cognitive dissonance because you're continually drawing things that aren't up to the standards that you've set for yourself or aren't what you are imagining in your mind. But you're saying, okay, I'm making the choice actively not to change my behavior, which would be to stop drawing altogether so yeah. that you don't have to deal with that cognitive dissonance. What I'm choosing to do is to continue changing my behavior until it matches what I'm thinking
1: and uh, yeah which is the exact opposite because y- because throughout that process you are still experiencing that like that pain mm-hmm. uh, which is which is not what you see a lot of people do right. when they're experiencing d- cognitive dissonance they yeah no they do a lot of outlandish things to well to stop drawing right, right. like whatever that to what, avoid
0: confronting it
1: yes 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah
0: and it I mean that. Yeah, it just ties into what we've been talking yeah. about this whole time. Yeah. yeah, because people will do. I mean, it's not your fault. It's not people's fault. But our brains will do what's easier most of the time, and making the decision not to do what's easier is the. That's the thing. It's your ticket.
1: <sighs> yeah, um, I mean this this is something I was thinking about recently is it's like people who I, I guess the best way to like dis- to describe that like um, confrontation with cognitive dissonance is like protecting one's ego. Right. I think that's like, I, would you say that's a good way to describe mm-hmm. that process? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think that uh, for a long time, I was very upset with people who like would, yeah, like protect their ego rather than like actually confront reality as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I mean, yeah, it. It. I think that, I would call those people dumb or whatever pejorative, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you know, I. I. And maybe you can call them foolish, but like, I get it. <laughs> like, I totally get why you would not, why you would want to protect your ego. Right. Cause it, it. Ooh, yeah. It sucks. It, that that um uh, that confrontation that dissonance feels real bad feels real bad and I understand why people go through that process and then stop drawing right and mm-hmm. stop drawing is yeah yeah not restricted to drawing right yeah yeah uh, yeah i I understand it a lot more than I did and I'm a lot more understanding I guess do you think yeah.
0: people should So you said a few times you would not recommend salvia or you would not recommend that way of confronting the thing within you, the mismatch in behavior and idea, ideal. My question is, would you recommend any psychedelics? Do you think that that's a ticket to confronting this kind of thing? Because that's that's very prominent in the culture nowadays is talking about about psilocybin and LSD Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. these kinds of things as being a tool to glimpse glimpse this thing we're talking about.
1: I'm going to cop out and kind of reject the framing mm-hmm. a little bit and answer it in a way I think that what is more important than ingesting psilocybin or not ingesting psilocybin is is the is the two questions of set and like setting Mm -hmm. like regardless of whether or not you are ingesting a psychedelic make sure that the environment like make sure that you're ready when you're confronting something Mm -hmm. make sure that you're ready to confront it yeah make sure that the setting that you're confronting it in is comfortable like that is more important than taking psilocybin or not taking psilocybin in 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 my opinion because i think that because I think that yeah, I think that if you, um, if you are like having an existential crisis at a party, even if you're sober, that's not a good time to like go through that. Mm-hmm. I think that it's just not um, not efficient, not it's just not beneficial to you. I guess. Um, yeah. And so it's like it, it's just it's more important to be ready to confront those things. And to be in an environment where you can comfortably confront those things.
0: Absolutely. So
1: yeah, don't focus on okay, yeah, don't do salvia. But uh but yeah, it's more important to be like to be in a sound state of mind to confront what it is you're confronting. Um Yeah. Set no. and setting over psychedelics.
0: Like and just that
1: first. The full stop.
0: Emphasis on set and setting. I haven't thought about it like this before. I mean, set and setting, I've always thought of as this is a thing you want to take care of before you do it, before you take care of that. But that's not the point. To have a set and setting where you're ready to deal with existential problems is a goddamn task. It's not easy to have someone that's going to be supportive of you. While you're dealing with something existential where you're potentially going to be totally out of yourself, maybe crying, unresponsive, whatever. Totally debilitated, right? Like,
1: yeah, don't, yeah, don't do it at work. You know, like,
0: (laughs) (laughs) not to mention a place to do that. And so, yeah, that just speaks so much to how you should prioritize life. You're not, the priority isn't the. The thing, the catalyst, I mean, yes, maybe it Mm -hmm. is, but you have to build those blocks up. It's kind of like Maslow's hierarchy. You need to take care of having people around you that are going to love you or at least loving yourself to the point where you can confront things. And you also need to make sure that you've got food and water and a warm shelter and, like, all of the nature things for sure. So that's no easy journey.
1: Not at all. Yeah. I mean... I don't know about you, but every time—not every time—but l- I was told to uh, not eat food when I take shrooms, mm. so it would hit you harder, right? Mm. Um, to like maximize the, like the trip. I think I think that's terrible advice. I think that's absolutely terrible, terrible advice. Make sure that your body. Make sure that you're like that. You're that you're good. Mm-hmm. Like have a full fucking stomach. Like be comfortable. Being your like. I guess, like, almost, like, find homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Be in a good place. Like, don't, um, yeah, be in a good place. Be in a good place. Yeah. First and foremost. Yeah, I guess I bring that, like, uh, that it's not as easy to be in a good place as we're, like, making it out to be. Because there is disinformation out there. There is, yeah, there's, I mean, yeah, we're, not, you know, not a lot talk about, like, certain things or, like, how to approach certain things, um, But, yeah, Maslow's, like, just meet that need to be, yeah, that well-being first and foremost.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, that's half the battle. I don't want to say this in a way that I'm discrediting the research that's going on with uh, psychedelics these days in therapeutic settings. Because I do think that there's a lot that we can value there. And I think that it can make the work that needs to be done easier to do but if we're talking about what we're talking about and being kind of the solo agent in trying to figure out how to best confront the problems in your life taking care of set and setting is going to be so important making sure like you're saying that that well-being is there
1: yeah oh that's interesting yeah you know talked therapy up like quite a bit but like the research that they are doing like that is well, I mean, I've never done it, never experienced it, but I can imagine it being, assuming that you know, like, the researchers mm-hmm. or the therapists, I can imagine that being, like, a pretty comfortable setting. Um, right. This is this is kind of a tangent, but, you know, I'll, I'll try and tie it back. With a therapist, you're, like, whether you're paying them or, you know, you have, like, some sort of insurance it's such a low, um, low stakes environment. It's their job to be there for you. You do not have to perform mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. There's n- there's no stakes. It just it just is what it is, and it is it is such a good. It's like yeah, the baggage is just like removed in that setting. So I could imagine that therapeutic setting being attached to psychedelics, mm-hmm. like. And, and it being incredibly beneficial, um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well,
0: yeah, and and the kind of barrier dissolving that psychedelics do mm-hmm. might make it. I mean, I'm just thinking of these PTSD treatments that people are doing with MDMA, yeah. and I've never taken MDMA, but I oh, hear haven't? that. No, I haven't. Okay. Um, but I, I he- either. But <laughs> <laughs> just for the record. Just Wow, I just found a tick on me. You better check yourself. Oh God. We're outside, everybody. Well, um, at least they're um, not going to give you COVID. Yeah, but they'll give you Lyme's disease, which yeah. I'd rather have COVID. TBH. What was I going to say? Where Where my thoughts are going to are these sessions with basically people that have PTSD taking mm, MDMA. Mm, mm. Yeah, I've never taken MDMA before, but I hear that it dissolves like the social precautions that you have when you're interacting with another person. And so I'm thinking PTSD is a fucked up thing because a lot of people that have traumatic disorders, that trauma is caused by other people. And so being able to engage Mm. with other people about this damage that others have done to you is an incredibly strong thing to confront. And having some sort of tool that will allow you to break those barriers down a lot of the time the stuff isn't just I mean there's a difference between knowing something intellectually like knowing oh I should go to therapy and when you're in therapy being able to commit to that that conversation or being able to commit to your treatment so it does seem advantageous to have something that can open that up for you that can kind of Bridge that boundary between not wanting to do the thing or like just not being able to do the thing, even when you want to do the thing. And so, I do see the value that these chemical agents can bring us when it is doing something very specific that can be used to address something that is going on in your brain that otherwise would take a very long time. Through, I want to say natural, but that's not true, uh, just. I mean talking or just social interaction obviously therapy is a form of treatment through social interaction you're just learning I mean I'm not going to say you're just learning but you are learning to form healthy relationships and you're learning through communicating with others where the boundaries are between how you should treat yourself how you should treat others and it gets more complicated than that but it does seem beneficial to me to have these kind of chemical treatments whether it's psilocybin or uh an ssri
1: um it makes me think of uh what what we talk about uh, like how uh how much more malleable people are than we like than we give the human race credit for right. um and i think that i think that psychedelics um, and even certain practices and therapy can can kind of like open up and like make the brain a little bit more malleable. Um, the reason that it works well is because you're working with a professional that likes their only goal is to help you. Mm-hmm. So if you're in this state where you were just uh, practically like the most malleable and like uh, the, the, that, that a person can be yeah when you're with someone that you fully trust and like has your best intentions and it's literally they've done they do this for their job mm-hmm. to like almost reprogram you and like impart uh, wellness into you um which however practice that like however that looks it is oh yeah it's incredibly impactful mm-hmm. um so i mean there's methods to create that malleability without psychedelics but i want yeah but i do agree that i think psychedelics can can induce that malleability yeah much much yeah much more easy than a
0: for sure um yeah than just doing it over time mm-hmm. and i think that what you just said being with that professional that knows about that that knows about the process that you're going through is very important because it's much different if we're going back to what we we're talking about, like the solo journey where you're trying mm. to figure something out. So while there probably is value doing this in a solo setting, the experience that you're going to get with a professional that knows about what this does to you, how people react when they have it, and where to take them once they're in that state of mind seems infinitely valuable. As opposed to trying to learn the ropes on your own, and and yeah, it just brings it back to taking care of that set and setting, taking care of your well being in the ways that you can. That's where you should start, right? It's no easy task to do that, and so you're doing that through art right now. That's very cool. I mean, art,
1: yeah. Art's kind of, like, a, I guess, like, an extension of that um, finding comfortableness mm-hmm. and, like, yeah, finding comfortableness and, like, being at ease with, yeah, like, myself and whatever outcome. Yeah, mm-hmm. outcome. Whatever. What, however the outcome looks, it's, yeah, just being being comfortable. Right. So um,
0: taking care of yourself has become a comfort zone, and now you're reaching out almost. Is that what you're saying?
1: Um. I would say, oh, say that again. again.
0: Finding that well-being within yourself has become more or less your comfort zone. Obviously, that changes for people over time. But now that you've been able to establish that, like find that foundation within yourself, you're able to go after this art.
1: It is to to bring it back to kind of like that process. Okay, okay. So, we talked about finding kindness, I guess. Or, yeah, finding kindness and, like, self-compassion. If I... I mean, yeah, that's that's why I stopped drawing, you know, when I was younger. I saw what was on the paper. Fucking hated it. Because it didn't match up with what I wanted it to look like in that moment. And kind of having that self-compassion. That no matter what ends up on that page even if it's like the most like trash like whatever however it is and it's okay right like I, I guess I guess the what I'm trying to say is I could not have done art or even like tried or like practiced doing art regardless of whether or not it's a profession I could not have had that as a hobby if I did not find um if I didn't have, yeah, self-compassion with myself. Because it's so, like, it's such a visceral in front of your face process. Like, it's just like, oh, that's what I created. That is in front of me. That picture is, uh, looks, however it looks. <laughs> whether it's whether it's good or bad. Um, so, I, I guess the journey of finding self-compassion. And just accepting things as they are. Has been, I mean, I literally would not have done the passion um that i have like the need that i have to like draw and like pursue art Uh, yeah i could not have done that if i didn't have if i didn't have self-compassion and yeah acceptance i guess it is it is such an exciting yeah it's such an exciting journey like every time you draw something and you're just like oh okay regardless of how it is it's um yeah, it's a uh, yeah, it's it's super exciting and like every picture, like every stroke, it is like I said, humbling, and there's just no better way to describe it. It's just it's incredibly humbling, and it's just like this. Ugh, that's like not how I wanted it to look, mm-hmm. and it's okay, and it's okay. Yeah, I never thought that I would be, uh, I guess, like this comfortable with failure, mm-hmm. because I mean. I mean, yeah, I can say with, like, drawing and, like, art that it's, like, a finished piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, like, feel good or bad about it. Um, but, like, really, it's every fucking stroke that you make on that page. Every single stroke. Mm-hmm. It, y- You can be critical of. Mm-hmm. And it's just not, it's not a decision not to be critical. But it's just accepting every single stroke as it is. Yeah, it's. With everything. With everything and it's yeah, art's a good culmination of it of that acceptance and yeah, I think finding that acceptance is in everything is oof, yeah.
0: That's awesome. It's great. It's Thank great. you, Blake. Thank you, Stephen. Where can people go to watch you on your journey?
1: Oh, uh so my art journey can be found uh on Instagram, all lowercase blake's underscore land.
0: Yes. And Blake made the podcast art here, which turned out super well. So thank thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for talking with me today. This has been super fun. It was super
1: fun. Thanks, David.
0: Thanks, everybody, for listening. I kind of hope you noticed the difference in sound quality in this one. I got some new mics. I'm pretty excited about them. This conversation was with Blakeland Bowen. You can find Blake at blakes underscore land on Instagram. You can also find him on Upwork if you need to contract somebody to make some cool art. You can always support the podcast by subscribing, by leaving a rating or review on whatever platform you listen to it on. You can also spread the word to family, friends, people that you think might be interested in these talks. Again, thank you everybody for listening. Stay safe out there.
2: 好